Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, presented by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. Praise God. We have been, over the last few weeks, been observing and taking a look at the Apostles' Creed. And I think this morning I want to go on as we have been looking at it. This is, I think, the 10th point. We have seen, we said, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. It makes you different, by the way. As you confess this, and these are the truths that are being applied to your life, you have been separated from the kingdom of darkness. You are becoming, being molded into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of glory. You are an ambassador of God. You are a king and a priest. So it's, it's you are on a journey. It's a wonderful journey. And you are part of a family, the most wonderful family on earth. And it is, it's when you get an opportunity to travel and you meet some of those people out there, whether they are in the Ivory Coast, in Africa, or Egypt, or Jamaica, Kingston, or Rio de Janeiro, in Brazil, or Chile, or Northern Ireland, Belfast, or Norway, or Finland, or Pakistan, or Hong Kong. We have one family. We have an opportunity to hug them, be with them, pray for their needs. We have, basically, we are, and then God sees us as family, as his army, it says, and we are, we are believing in the Father Almighty and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So we have the Trinity. And we have come. We, we did last, the last couple of weeks, we talked about the communion of saints. We are coming near the conclusions of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the church universal, the communion of saints. And uh, these are truths that have sustained and strengthened believers, Christians, for centuries. We are part of that. We have, and part of that, the communion of saints, it was exciting to know that we are joined by an innumerable company of angels. So the angels are included in our picture of who we are. And that we have, that we are just a, just a slight flimsy curtain between us and the etern- eternal realm and those, all those saints that have gone on before us. Your a lot of, if they're believers, your mom, your dad, your great uncle, your grandparents, they're waiting to greet you. And we have had, from this family even, we have had to release some into the realms of glory, but they're waiting. And I'm looking forward to greeting them. I talked about Johnny. He was one of my favorite characters here. And he would always, whether you like it or not, give you a holy kiss because the, and the Bible tells us to do that, to greet each other with a holy kiss. And he took it seriously. So I know uh, that when I go into the eternal realm, I'm going to meet Jesus and some angels, but I'm going to also meet up with Johnny. And he said, I've been waiting to kiss you 
Pastor, I'm so glad. Took so long. <laughs> anyway, but we are on the subject of the communion of saints. It says, and I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Say the forgiveness of sins. And so let me share with you a primary foundational scripture and we'll share some more thoughts in that context. But it says in 1 John chapter 1. Say 1 John, 1 John. chapter 1. 1. Verse 5. <clears throat> so we'll go from verse 5 onwards. It says, this then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light. Say, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. That's something to comprehend. That That's important. And so, in his realm, darkness is not allowed. So, it's good we are working. And it's, it's, it's a work in progress. But God has sanctified us and is in the process of whatever junk we have brought in from time to time. He'll give us opportunity to get more cleansed. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I need, I, I, this is powerful, but just a personal testimony. But many, 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 I was just starting to learn. I was a very young pastor. I used to fellowship with about 12, 15 other pastors. We would meet every Saturday. And then we have an opportunity to pray for people. But one uh, Saturday, I had the Friday night before, I'd gone to a far, far township. I was living in Lubbock, Texas, and came home around 4 o'clock in the morning. So it just was very difficult to get up at 7 and go to the fellowship. So <laughs> around 8 o'clock or so, I got a call, phone call. I barely got up and I answered. At that time, you didn't have these kind of phones. You had this dial thing. And I picked up, and it was the pastor saying, where are you, Brother Mahesh? I said, I'm sleeping. I couldn't get up. He said, well, we need your help. Will you come help us? We are. I said, can't you do it? We need your help, please. And so I got dressed. I was barely awake and went where I knew they were meeting. And they said, by the way, uh, we are not in the main, main area. Uh, we are in the laundry room. I said, you are, you are 12 people. What, what are you doing in the laundry room? How can you get in there? They said, please don't ask any questions. Just come. I found out they have been praying for a man who had tremendous difficulties uh, about his identity. I won't go further into it. And uh, uh, and they were scared because the demon started talking to him, came to the surface, and said, "So they they could not handle it." And I. Um, I was, I used to travel with Derek Prince and uh, oh, very used to and been trained to. And we got, the Lord had anointed uh, two of us really to very powerful deliverance ministry that came as a gift. Jim Croft was another very dear friend of mine. And so he, they called, these guys called me. So I said, they said, come by the back door. I said, I never, I don't come. Please come by. Okay. So when I came to the back door, opened it, went to the laundry room. <laughs> there they were gathered. I said, what are you doing here? He said, because he's out there. So in the main living room was the men that were praying for her. 
and truly I went, I went there and confronted him and uh, he had, I mean, this was the demons were speaking out. You could clearly say, and if you didn't know the Lord, it would kind of shake you up. But I, you know, I knew the Lord. I just started laughing. I said, shut up. And uh, do you know the blood of Jesus? And, oh, it started even getting more excited. I said, I want you to. And so it was this scripture, verse 7, that the Lord gave me to, to have him speak. I said, can you say after me, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And when it came to the blood of Jesus, that demon just screamed. It was as if hot lava was falling on him. And it came out. And it's, it's the person loves, is loved by the Lord Jesus. You are loved. He treasures you. But those demonic forces that may sometimes person may have opened the doors by so many dumb dark things around we just kick him out take authority just like Jesus in Mark all through the gospels Jesus would confront the demonic and the word of God is your major assistant in that and the Holy Spirit of course but this quickens to me that how if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So as even as we fellowship, we do the best we can. It's not like we are perfect, but we are creatures of the light. We have chosen that. And the blood of Jesus continues to cleanse us. So we may not make it overnight, but there is a process and the blood of saved, the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son is cleansing me from all sin. So sin separates us from God. Sin is in the Lord's presence, in His atmosphere. Sin is an offense against Him. So the nature of God is so gracious and so loving and so kind. Uh, and it's through the passion of Calvary. The Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion, is, is really great in that area of the theme. Uh, and at the, in The Passion, the Lord suffers, takes the suffering for us on our behalf, takes all the weight of sin so we can walk in the light as he's in the light. And we can walk in God's forgiveness. So, Amen. Um, a couple of tools, encouragement, reference for you if you don't have them. The power of the cross, the epicenter of glory, and also the hidden power of the blood of Jesus. Really recommend that you add these to your library um, and read them. Uh, those of you who have read the epicenter of glory, we call it the cosmic spectacle, what has happened in this manner of the forgiveness of sins. The truth and effectiveness of the cross is simple enough for a child to fully enter. What happened at the cross when God reconciled the world to himself is a mystery we shall keep discovering for all eternity. Like the cascading force unleashed in the splitting of an atom the action of Calvary will be ever unfolding in its power. The glory of the cross is an explosive, eternal energy creating, continually unfolding revelation of beauty. The cross is the glory of God. In it, we behold him as he really is. Calvary must not be an aversion or a thing of the past. For as long as we have mortal flesh, as long as we seek his power, 
we will find him at the cross. It is a singular demonstration of his overwhelming mercy and remains the key to experiencing his glory. For the cross reveals God as he is. It shows him perfect, self-giving, irresistible, humble, absolutely omnipotent in power, and completely obsessed with his love for us. In talking about the attributes of the blood of Jesus in the hidden power, we quoted from Ephesians 2. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Say enmity. Enmity. That is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances that were against us so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile. Say reconcile. Reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. In other words, that thing that separated us from God and from one another. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. He's talking, of course, the Apostle Paul, about the miracle of Jews and Gentiles having a way, having been made, that there could be one new man. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him... We both have access by one spirit to the Father. Access. Say access. Access. Access to the Father. And in thinking about this aspect of the creed, the forgiveness of sins, it is the epicenter of the good news of the gospel. Because everything begins and ends and is made complete in this reality that we have something called forgiveness of sins. But we need to know that there began, became an all-encompassing separation between God and the world that he created, both men and angels, and it had, has had its effect on nature. This is the whole revelation of the redemption narrative in Scripture. From A to Z, in the very earliest uh, portion of scripture in the book of Leviticus, the revelation of the Lord that he gave to Moses that the life of the body is in the blood and thereby the blood makes atonement. That's Leviticus 17. And then, of course, all the way to the end where, where John's revelation of Jesus is actually given to us in pictures of the Jewish feasts throughout the Revelation, and as you referred to, the last great ingathering, the harvest feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, that reconciling of bringing the family home to God and his eternal favor and blessing. And in John's Revelation, we see that there is a Lamb's book of life, and in it, written, presumably because of the provision, the covering, the personal affixing of the blood to every saint, all the names of those who will enjoy this eternal reconciliation with him. But I, I want to mention some of the important words that are given to us in the revelation of scripture, helping us to understand this great mystery, this blessing, this ever energetic like an atom you know when you split an atom the power that is released is so intense that immediately those pieces split other atoms and that's the explosive uncontainable dynamic of uh, a nuclear if you will explosion but the the cross is working say is working 
worked in that initial explosion when Jesus on Calvary said, it is finished. And the life of his flesh became atonement for the cosmos, for the whole ordered system of God's creation, both men and angels and nature. And that explosion began there. So a couple of words that, that are important for us that are revealed to us in the writing of the apostles and of the prophets uh, is the word propitiation. Say propitiation. Propitiation. And it, this is a word that refers directly to what occurred in the shedding of the blood of Jesus for forgiveness of sins. And it is an offering made to appease an offended party. In other words, to wash the slate clean. And then, of course, Scripture is the place where we have a revelation of the idea of sin. Say sin. Sin. And though the world and man and our flesh and every kind of human thinking and demonic heresy may want to deny sin, the, the biblical revelation of sin is literally a forfeiture that occurs because of missing the mark. And there certainly is no human being ever that has never missed the mark on something, whether it's ethical, moral, uh, relational, uh, even, you know, in terms of thinking, systems of thinking. And then the uh, another essential word that is given to us in Scripture is the revelation of this idea of the cosmos, of an ordered system created by God and broken and then intended to be reordered by him and only can only happen through this unique atoning sacrifice this particular way and that brings us to the earlier parts of the creed where we understand that in Jesus the pre-incarnate eternal son who became a mortal man we have both the divine and human natures and in his perfection he was able to become our high priest making forgiveness for us so in first John 2 it says, it is he who is the atoning sacrifice. That word is the word propitiation. Say propitiation. Propitiation. Atonement. Atonement. The atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the cosmos, the whole world, the whole ordered system of the human race and of creation itself because we know that when Adam departed and missed the mark in the beginning together with Eve, that the Lord speaks then and reveals the fact that it, indeed a curse entered into the created nature where thorns instead of blossoms would come. And so it, the revelation of the gospel is an all-encompassing revelation that every human being needs and that scripture says that creation itself is groaning for these people who will receive this revelation and become the sons of God that it's it's waiting for us the new living translation says he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not ours only but the sins of the whole world and so there's that word, propitiation. Say propitiation. And then the word for sin, the forfeiture because of missing the mark, and then cosmos. Um, and what we understand is this work of forgiveness encompasses every area of human life. And uniquely, the four areas the marketplace, say marketplace. marketplace. And you know there's a lot said about the marketplace and Christians in the marketplace and all of that. In other words, the testimony of the gospel in the, the demonstration before the secular world, but the marketplace. And the word there is redemption. Say redemption. Redemption. Which is a purchase price paid to buy back something. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. Hebrews 9, 12, 
not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Second area is the court of law. Every legal case in the spirit realm and in the natural realm. Did you know that there is a living advocate that comes to help us and stand with us in legal cases? And we have seen lots of miracles in this area when the Lord comes with a word of knowledge and releases prison sentences and uh, liens against properties and houses and inheritances that have been stolen uh, when the wills were not properly executed. But the legal acquitting where you are proven innocent in the court of law, Romans 3, 23 through 24, for all have sinned, have missed the mark, have forfeited, yeah. right? And fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Since we now have been justified by his blood, much more we shall be saved from God's wrath through him. That's Romans 5, 9. And then the fourth area is our religious life, the temple life. And that's where this word propitiation comes in. That offering that is made to appease an offended party. Romans 3.25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. That's the cleansing of the slate. But also, you know, we see all of those images from the long history of the tabernacle and the temple where there would be hundreds and thousands of animal sacrifices, the blood sacrifices made to bring God and man back together. But one sacrifice did what all of those could not. Amen. And that's the spotless lamb, the Lord Jesus. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, Hebrews 2.17. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers in every way. That particular way that salvation could be accomplished could not be done by man on his own. Had to be done by God, but had to be done by a man. So this is, again, the wonder of the gospel and why it is not a religion, why it is not a religious system why it doesn't compare with the quote-unquote world religions, because it's a revelation of God in the flesh doing and undoing what had been wreaked in havoc through the missing of the mark by his creation. And one of the things that just we uh, reiterate, it's a relationship with the living God. It is not some kind of ceremony you go through. I mean, it looks like it sometimes. But it's really God is moving. Yeah. And something wonderful and supernatural is happening. I mean, for children who have been brought up, they're familiar with God. Uh, their father and mother believed in the Lord. and They grew up in that atmosphere. But even then, it is important for all children as they grow up and growing up, that they have an experience where they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And uh, as we talk about, and we, I believe in the forgiveness of sins that's between us and the living God, we can help as a community of God to set up that kind of atmosphere. But forgiveness, first of all, we're talking about God's forgiveness of that person or my, of me or of you. And that is primary. And then secondary, after we have done the forgiveness from God himself, then something is happening in our lives. And we say, gosh, this Part of it's here in my heart is kind of dark. I need to forgive others. I need to, I have been held, holding this grudge against 
so and so and so and I spoke very ugly things about this and this and I need to come to the Lord ask for forgiveness and if I have to I'm going to ask that person even for forgiveness you don't have to do it for everything but we don't want to allow darkness into our hearts so we may do and then the Catholic branch of uh, our faith they will add penance in there but that's our thinking is that as a part of the fruit of what happens as our relationship with God is anointed and real that you your heart is cleansed and you will do good you will want to help others you will help the Bible talks about us being gracious to the poor or visit the sick or visit even those who are in prison but that's a part of the fruit of what happening because we have now have a relationship with God and he has forgiven us and so as a fruit of one of the things as a pastor that I feel I've seen over the years that is really a help in this process is baptism in water that we rep- the repentance has come and it's a gift from the Lord and I have seen people who I mean we are talk about revival and it's it's when God you have an experience with the Lord in a sense revival has come into your heart but there are times when we ourselves even Bonnie and I have been present where the the glory comes and part of that is people's hearts are just transformed. I was, many years ago, I was with a major, major government official. He was a very wealthy man. This was in Africa. And, uh, but he attended our service. He was kind of wanting to know God, but he was more involved in his government official acts and and quite well to do he thought he may not need god but i remember that it happened in front of my eyes and it was so amazing and i said come holy spirit and in the front row i mean this a lot of the people will have to stand in this meeting in africa and this lady had a giant tumor on her neck and I said come Holy Spirit and then the Lord started moving and there were people falling down and this lady she started screaming because she could not feel that big tumor that was growth on her neck just went Foof! and it disappeared and I myself I saw it in front of my eyes and I said where did it go and this big official was right there. And it happened right a few feet away from him. And he saw it right there. And the glory of God fell on him. And he ran up to the altar. And he was weeping. And he wasn't talking to me. He was talking to God. And said, God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. And I have, and then I wanted myself to go down and say, shut up. This is too much. This is too much information. I, I, I don't need it. We don't need it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Shut up. He didn't care. Yeah. He didn't care. His wife was there. He, and I have slept with this woman and that woman. And I did this. And I said, please, no. Thank you. Too much information. <laughs> but the glory was so mighty on him. He felt like he needed yeah. to talk it out. So, yeah. I mean, but it's, that is, was real repentance. Yeah. I mean, it you knew he wanted to get before God and any spot. I didn't, he didn't want to leave any spot there. And then the seal that is important, if you are able to, is we have, I think, Michael, we have a water baptism when? Well, we're, we were shooting for next week, yeah. next Sunday. And, so. and the reason is that the, we kind of get information from the people if they're if there are a number of people who want to get, we would like to arrange it so when it's convenient for all the people who are coming. 
So I wanted to make sure, but we are going to provide that service. We have to kind of make the water ready. We have a tank right here. Uh, but that water baptism, if you have not been baptized in water, as we are talking about forgiveness of sins, this kind of puts the exclamation point, the apostrophe, it's been done. Because the apostle Paul, when the people ran up with the glory coming down on, uh, on, the, on the first, on the day of Pentecost, what shall we do to be saved? He said, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. So that's the process. Repent. Say repent. repent. Be, baptized. be baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's kind of the package deal. And it really, I have seen where often people have physical infirmities. There was a lady I knew, and we in fact knew her very, I mean, in Texas. But I knew of her life, I knew of her problems. She had gone through a lot of hurt and pain and still was going through a lot of oppression. And sometime, one, one day, the Lord kind of gave me a word of knowledge, something. And I said, honey, have you been baptized in water? And she said, no, never. Nobody's ever asked. I said, let's get you baptized in water. Is that fine with you? She said, yes, please. And when we, she went to the waters of baptism, all that depression and oppression she had lifted right then. It was as if it, it legally, in the Word of God, it says, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. So it's not just repent and know Jesus. Somewhere, it, it's very helpful to go through the waters of baptism because I could... I couldn't tell her, okay, if you do this, then you will, the, all this junk that's oppressing you. The, she couldn't sleep. She had struggled mentally because she had gone through a lot of abuse. But when she went, came out of the waters, I mean, she was healed. And it, God saw to it. So some of this, we want to do it as we obey the word of God. But God follows through on all of that and wonderful things happen. Amen. And as, as you said, Pastor, that reconciliation, the family relationships, beginning with our relationship with God, and that's the fourth of the four main areas of human life that the all-encompassing gospel provides for, the home life. Reconciliation is the word. Say reconciliation. And that is the restoration to right relationship, first of all, with God, and then secondly, with others, man to man, person to person. In Romans 5.11, it says, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have now received this reconciliation through him. Say, we have, we have. now received reconciliation. Hallelujah. And in 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says God was in Christ. There's the dual natures. You see working. We know that it is a triune work. The gospel was the Father who sent the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit that gave himself to reconcile us to God. God was in Christ reconciling the world, the cosmos, the whole world ordered universe, the whole ordered system of beings, of persons, of humans, and nature itself, the whole cosmos unto himself, not imputing sins unto them, and is now committed to us this word of reconciliation. So once again, it's like Bonhoeffer says, it is the church, it is Christians, we are the light. Jesus he said, John said, he's the light that comes into the world. And then Jesus said, you are the light. And without you manifest and testifying, demonstrating, because you understand the revelation you have received, this real work that has occurred through faith in Jesus Christ, you become the light source for the world that is otherwise in existential darkness and doomed to be such. Additionally, the salt, you are the salt. And without that salt to bind, to preserve, 
and a season, frankly, the world has no hope. And Bonhoeffer basically says that the world rejects the very thing that its existence depends on. But he also said that if the church ceases to be the light and the salt, then we are in extinction. We're in oblivion. So may the Lord give us this revival glory that you're speaking of, that, you know, Governor Kilolo and all those ones that we saw in those days and recently. So as committed to us, say to us, this word of reconciliation. And then there are two paragraphs of scriptures that for me really encompass the whole gospel message centering around this idea of the forgiveness of sins. And one is in Colossians 1, that glory phrase of exploding beauty that we love in that whole reference. But it's particularly in verse 19, it says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, things on earth, in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Though once you were alienated from God and enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And the interesting thing about the gospel, it, it is conditional. Yeah. And yet, the primary thing I would like to conclude with this thought. I'll first <laughs> share the experience that one of the things that happened, and it happened in different other countries, but it was very open up there in, in the Congo where we were, or Ivory Coast, when we had the open meetings. I got to know some of the pastors, and then those who would gather in the harvest, because multiple thousands, we had multiple thousands come up to give their lives to Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit came. And, uh, and it is part of the gospel. It is important for us to always keep the door open for people to repent and come to Jesus Christ. It may be when they are eight years old, 18, 45 years old, or 85 years old. It doesn't matter. I had to, I remember one of the ladies that came to Christ many years ago, Jim Croft and I were in Missouri in the wintertime. And uh, there was a harvest of souls, wonderful people. And there was a lady in her late 80s that came and gave her life to Jesus Christ. She had never had a chance to. And we were at that time, I mean, just really committed to the Word of God. It has to happen. we got to do it now. So that weekend, just so many people had come. And uh, so we said, we need to provide baptism. So we, we, there was a creek, a river nearby. And we said, okay, we got to go there and baptize because that's the only one thing, piece of water we knew we were familiar with or something they were familiar with. And so Jim Croft and I, I remember, we, I wore my jogging outfit. There was nothing to, what do you wear to baptize people in a river that's floating with ice? There's ice chunks in it. This is wintertime. A diving suit. <laughs> anyway, so I went in there and he was there and we were baptizing and the one after the other they came. And I don't know why they kept this wonderful, sweet elderly lady in her about 89, 90 years old. And uh, she was one of the last ones to come. My hands were freezing now. And I could not feel my fingertips because they, they, they were in the water all this time and chunks of ice floating around. We, I was frozen completely. And so the lady came up to me and of course Jim was on the other side. And I dunked her in. And my hands, I couldn't feel them. So we, she 
she went in, Jim was on the other side. And then I couldn't feel her. She said, no feeling. And I asked Jim, Jim, do you have her? He said, no, I thought you had her. And she was just so happy getting baptized. And the river was floating her away from us. So, but by the time, and then Jim grabbed, and I went this way, and she had floated away. And, oh, we started running and grabbing water, and finally I got hold of her nightgown. She wore a nightgown to get baptized. And we got her, and she just came up, and she said, I feel so great. And I said, Annie, I'm not going to tell you the truth. <laughs> we almost lost you. Anyway, <laughs> the thing was, in Africa, there were numbers. I mean, this was like maybe 200 plus ladies who came. I mean, the only, if you, there's no one supporting you and you are, your parents have already gone home to be with The only thing that they could think of doing was to be a prostitute. So a lot of these ladies came up to get saved and they, they gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And the pastors would come up to me and say, Brother Mahesh, what, what do we do now? What? And we have to give guidance. So there is a place we need to think of people who give their lives to Jesus, but certain things. They cannot go back to. So what do we do? So that we had to ask for wisdom. But the thing was, they knew that they knew that Jesus had forgiven them. They did not want to go back to the darkness. In that context, then, I want to read you a scripture. Jesus, it says in chapter, John chapter 8, went into the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they say unto her, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what says thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. They which there, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn them. Condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Here, I just want to underline to us that the primary that Jesus came does not come even today to us to condemn, but to forgive and heal. This woman of adultery is a wonderful, caught in adultery. She needed a chance to be able to repent and forgiveness was given to her. So Jesus comes and of course, representing the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I mean. He comes not to condemn, but to love, to forgive, and to help people walk in the light. So, this gospel, through the forgiveness of sins, is all-encompassing for every person. For our whole lives. Say whole life. Marketplace. Court of law. Temple. And home. 
So, Amen. Pastor, if we can stand together. Interestingly enough, I had a dream last night about Derek. I rarely dream. It was in technicolor, very clear. But I would like for us to say that powerful confession about the blood of Jesus together. Sure. So if you would stand, and we are going to confess together a powerful, all-encompassing, very scriptural confession that and many of you know. As you pray, really receive this morning a fresh impartation of God's love. Amen. Let God wipe away every shadow, any kind of junk. We all carry pieces of junk. We have been hurt. We need to forgive. Where there are wounds, let God heal them. But be an emissary. As, say, as I have received love, I, I am going to give love. So become an ambassador of love to others. All right? Okay. So together, through the blood of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, I am redeemed out of the hand of the devil. Out of the hand of the devil. Through the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus, I am continually cleansed from all sin. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified, made holy, set apart to God. Through the blood of Jesus, I have boldness to enter the presence of God. The blood of Jesus continually speaks on my behalf. Therefore, Satan has no place in me and no power over me through the blood of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.